With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Welcome, beautiful, wonderful space angels. This is the brighter side. The tiny one. Can you hear me scream? Oh no. <laughs> space. Space. It's the tiniest of wars. So hello, welcome. I'm Amber Nelson. We've got Ed Larson making the tiny gun noises. How you doing, That's Amber? That's the tiniest noise I've ever seen come out of your big old lips. <laughs> and we've got mary kelly over here i'm here how you doing she's wonderful irish woman just ready to beat anybody up for us and we've got a couple (laughs) special people here that uh that are our guests i'm so excited to introduce these people and if you're if you're listening to this give yourself a big old hug unless you're driving Mm -hmm. but we've got uh mr rob taylor do i have time to make another drink yeah. Oh, sure. yeah. Sure. You have all the time in the do world. Do what you want. Do whatever you want. And we've got, he is the husband to the, uh, also, my brother. Oh. oh, Benjamin Nelson. Hey, everybody. It's so good to be here. Th- Amber, thank you so much for inviting me. This is really exciting to have uh, this opportunity to be on a podcast with my baby sister. So this is really fun. Oh, it's very exciting yeah. for us, too. He wiped my diaper growing up. I, many diapers. You wiped the diaper? <laughs> wiped just the get diaper. a new diaper. No, he wiped just... it off. <laughs> Wipe out the poo poo. Use the same diaper. He helped Flip me. Flip it over. <laughs> when when I was growing up, um, apparently I would scream a lot, and yeah. one of the only reasons to get me to stop screaming was to push me in a baby carriage as fast as possible. And Ben would uh, run down the streets, right? When you that run, how do you a remember lot. that? That's I, that's very true. We did. It wasn't just me. It was me and my buddies. We'd put, strap you in the stroller and just like a racing car down down the street. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the only way to get you to, to be quiet. To so. Shut up! It but it was explains a lot. That's yeah. insane. You should have become a race car driver. I should have. I like to go fast, except yeah. in cars when I'm not driving. But if I'm driving a boat, I go like eighty. <laughs> crush it down the Mississippi I drove a pontoon boat down the Mississippi everybody lived and we had a great time <laughs> <laughs> fucking manatee's worst nightmare <clears throat> so Ben you've been to space you're not you're not an astronaut no not an astronaut I'm not a scientist you're not a scientist but what, tell us about your the, when you went to outer space I mean this is crazy to me sure sure I mean well it was a pretty exciting thing for me too and this was about 10 years ago for mm-hmm. Uh, a company, um, uh, Virgin Galactic. Uh, of course, they're, they're big today, but at the time, uh, space tourism was very new. I mean, it wasn't something that uh, many people, you know, would do um, unless you were extraordinarily wealthy. Uh, but you know, they started this company. Um, I did some parabolic flights, uh, went up and down. This is. Um, this was about 2008, and uh, why did you go? Like, how you did knew they... the bo- the boss guy, right? <laughs> you knew the boss guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had an opportunity to go because a colleague of mine who was going to go decided not to, and uh, this former colleague actually is a founder of a company called uh, Moon Express. Okay. So he's in this this space as well. Um, and Obviously, he, yeah. And he invited me to go, um, and so I did. I and I, I, you know. Took part in this opportunity it was fantastic and same. It was you like open some skittles or something and watch them play around <laughs> and everybody's doing some science stuff yeah, for real. Yeah, well they were doing real science and uh, trying to find a way to entertain me without you know me destroying expensive scientific equipment. Yeah. So they they basically gave me a little packet of skittles that I could play with. But, um, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was it was very different from anything that you would expect. I mean, most people kind of equate it to being in water, so you. 
you have this natural instinct to swim. Mm -hmm. um, I learned very quickly that's exactly what you don't want to do in zero gravity environment is to flail and kick and swim. You kind of want to bring yourself together into a little ball and just uh, just kind of float there. That makes sense because how could you possibly move if you're not touching anything? Yeah, this, this is a, a confined environment uh, and, and kicking and flailing is, is definitely not what you want to do. You hurt um, somebody. Yeah. Yes, you could definitely hurt somebody. Press a button and the airlock is done. You're all dead. <laughs> It's not aliens. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, in, in water, too, there's some resistance. So when you push up against something, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you, you have an expectation you'll slow down. But that's not what happens when you're um, in this zero-gravity environment. You will base, you'll fly into the fuselage or you'll fly into some equipment uh, just by pressing up against the wall of, of, the, of, the, of the ship that you're in. So. How far it, out did you go? Well, we went up to a point called the Carmen Line. So that's basically the edge of space. Uh, beyond that, you're, you are officially in space. So um, we, this is a, uh, a suborbital flight. So we didn't actually rotate the Earth. We went straight up and then straight down. Mm -hmm. So we go up, uh, hover around, I suppose, 10, 15 minutes, and then come back down Vandenberg uh, Air Force Base and then flew. So you did this in an afternoon. Yeah, it just yeah. went to space. That's yeah. <laughs> fucking nuts! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You went to space like people go to Jack in the Box. <laughs> wow. How long was the whole trip? Uh, well, the whole thing did last a long... The, the experience itself of being in zero uh, gravity in space probably for about four or five minutes. Of, of, of course, getting to that stage, there are several uh, segments in the flight, you know, but and then coming back down as well, it, it takes some time. But, you know, just floating there, it, it, it didn't seem like it lasted very long, and I think probably about 10 minutes was about the longest it lasted. Wow. So yeah. do you have to, like, lock yourself in when it shoots up? Because that's real dangerous. You do. Um, you absolutely do have to, to sort of lock yourself in, strap yourself in. Yeah. and then. But, you know, once you're, you know, in the clear, you can kind of, you know, get up. Do you up see flames from out the window? No. I tried so hard to, uh, you know, to get, I, I had, I couldn't bring my, my iPhone or, or camera with me, but I had this device where I could take, you know, simple little photographs and they didn't come out very well, but uh, yeah, yeah, I tried to take some pictures of, of the, through the window. Wow. I know Rob is very cool with flying. Every story, because I hate flying and you're always just kind of like, no big deal. Just chill out. It's like, what did you say? Planes don't um, drop down out of air? Planes just don't fall out of the sky. It doesn't work like that. Modern day commercial aircraft actually have some of the most advanced technology that we have. I mean, really to bring a plane with 200 people down to the ground, that takes human intervention. Well, to crash a plane, it takes really human intervention. Or a bunch 90, of geese. Or a bunch of geese. 99.99% of the time, it takes deliberate human intervention to crash a plane. These airplanes, these A380s, the double-deckers, these planes can take off and land independently. What? Without human intervention. We don't actually Damn robots taking our fucking jobs. It's been like this for about 20 years. Wow. We don't actually need pilots. My mom worked for Continental back That's in the 90s. That's why they're drunk. So we got to fly wherever we wanted to for free, so... Wow. That was back before 9-11, you know. The perks <laughs> back then were incredible. Stand oh, yeah. by. She picked me up from school one day, and she seriously said, where do you want to go? And I said, Disney World. And we got on a flight to Orlando, Florida from Denver, Colorado. After school, unplanned. Free. Wow. <laughs> That's great. The 90s were the shit. They were great. <laughs> I went to a Costco and I didn't have a card. You know, I have to have a card. And it just, it, I just kind of walked in there. I feel like flying in 1970. They were just like, <laughs> who cares? You on this? Get in here. Who cares? Well, you'd have to wear a suit and whatnot, but you could smoke cigarettes. You can smoke cigarettes. I like that also airplanes have a, today they have the smoking thing. Why do they still put the ashtrays in planes? You know it's what? I asked, regulation. Yeah. I asked the stewardess about that and she said that, because um, I was like, are the planes old or what? And she said, no, because we want people, if you do smoke, to put it there and not in the trash bin because you the plane could light on fire. Oh. 30,000 feet in the air and you're on fire. That's a good idea. Who would smoke a cigarette on a plane? I don't know. Lots of people. Rob I remember just when raised you could hand. smoke on the plane. Yeah, My, I and remember. Then, yeah, it was, there was a smoking <laughs> section and a non-smoking section. Like, just, it actually made a fucking who difference. Who watched that video of that United, that doctor getting dragged out of United flight and was like, oh I want to smoke a cigarette and really test my luck. <laughs> well, this is, you know, the 80s and early 90s. Mm. Man, so 
it, the thing that flips me out about flying, I, I I fly across the country from time to time, and it just I feel like someone's throwing me across the country like a football. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of, and I, I feel like that's why it doesn't just fall out of the sky. It's because you got propulsion and you're going, right? Everything is very tightly controlled. There's nothing that's left to chance. The systems that run an airplane, there are backup systems. There are backup systems to the backups, and there are backups to the backups to the backup, and so on and so forth. Well, that's why I said that it it takes human intervention to crash an airplane. Wow. What about the Southwest suckout? What happened there? We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Suck out. That's another reason. I always sit on the aisle. That's my favorite because I get to go up and go to the bathroom whenever I want. Mm-hmm. And For real? I don't have to bug anybody. I think I'm switching to the aisle. Aisle's the best. I used to be always go to sleep, but the thing is, I get I'm so broad shouldered. I I can't ever get my head against the wall anymore. Uh, I'm getting too big. What? These airplanes. You did aren't say your pants no didn't uh, fit. My your pants broke. Fell out. My hey, pants, pants broke. My pants broke. That's fine. Everybody chip in five dollars to get Eddie a new pair of pants. It's not that expensive. We have thousands <laughs> of listeners. <laughs> but you do bring up a valid point. That is true. What about the engine on Southwest? And I think it you could deduce that once again, human intervention. Just somebody not just sitting in the wrong the place. Essentially, yes. I mean, I don't want to speak ill of them. I don't know of the situation in depth, but it sounds like maybe their maintenance on the aircraft was a little bit behind schedule. Of course. Yeah. I mean, they had a fucking sucker. Yeah, Rob and, and I, is... I we've, we've spent the last seven months traveling, and we've, oh my God. we've been to some places, some airports where, um, I don't know, I, I believe it or not, I'm actually kind of scared of flying. Yeah. yeah I just, but I, I just get <laughs> on a plane. And, yeah, yeah. You never said that to me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> No, it's crazy because I totaled it up, and between November 22nd of 2016 Mm -hmm. and March 13th of 2017, we were on no less than 37 separate airplanes. That's amazing. 37. What's your spookiest airport you've ever been in? Just like chickens running around? No, when we were flying from, I think it was from Morocco to to somewhere in Spain, Mm -hmm. um, they did the call to prayer just before the plane took off, which was really unusual. And that that, that just seemed a little scary to me. But then what was really scary was while the plane was landing, there were children basically running up and down the aisle and jumping in their seats. There was no no flight attendant, you yeah. know, came on the intercom and said, you know, please stay in your seats. No like trade tables or put your seat back. It was just chaos and free-for-all. And then we were flying and, and some guy had a coronary on the plane. And oh. We were going to divert our flight. Yes. Did he live? Yes. Yes, I think he did. So, yeah. The first incident with the unbuckled passengers upon descent was the Royal Air Maroc flight from Casablanca to Venice, Italy. The second one was the flight from Amsterdam to Seattle. You guys have a fucking cool life. <laughs> ben is also openly gay. He's the first openly gay man in space. Uh, I believe American. First openly gay American. Oh. oh okay. yeah. Well, first openly gay Russian was sent to space because he was and gay. didn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. He was, he was a monkey, too. He was a monkey. <laughs> there's also a conspiracy that Russia sent a woman to outer space and then I she couldn't get back down. And then there's this audio recording of her in Russian being like, it's getting hot. Help me. Oh my God! <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Amber's made me listen to it before. It's, yeah. uh, it's, uh, as far as, as as fun as it could be, it is that much fun. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, the 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 ship you took to space was it one of the ones that starts off like an airplane and rolls on the ground and then goes up? Well, that's called the mothership, and the mothership uh, the name for it is called the White Knight. And there's the White Knight One and the White Knight Two. Mm-hmm. So I was on the White Knight One um, yeah. out of Vandenberg. But the smaller aircraft that is attached sort of um, underneath the fuselage in between the wings mm-hmm. is called the, the SS or the Spaceship One. And that's the, the, the smaller craft that sort of breaks away once you get to a certain altitude. Oh, okay. And then, you know, goes into space. That's super cool. Yeah. What happens to all those pieces that break away? Do they go collect them and use them again? Well, no, that's, that's the, that is the whole point of this um, this, this whole enterprise is that there isn't uh, anything that's going to break away or fall back to Earth because that's expensive. Yeah. So if they can just sort of consolidate all these, you know, rockets and all these other, you know, uh, 
parts of this craft into mm-hmm. one that just goes up and down. I mean, that that's, that's why the, those Tesla testing flights were so important is because they simultaneously landed so they can reuse exactly. the fuselage. Yeah. Interesting. It's weird that we were going to space like, what, 10 years ago? And now we're like, we've got bigger things to solve. I mean, we were going to space, you know. 60 years ago. Yeah, 60 years ago. Well, 50s, right? Well, we're we're still going to space. The problem is that we're relying on other people to deliver us there. The the Soyuz, for example. We don't have a program. No more NASA. Well, well, there isn't isn't a space rocket that will deliver uh, us to space. So we rely on Russians, uh, for example, to, to take people up into space. So... Um, that may change. I don't. I don't know. Um, There's a fun website. It's uh, who'sinspace.com, and you can always go look. It tells you who's up there and where yeah. they're from. Yeah, I think there's six people up there right now, wow. hanging out, figuring out shit, planting stuff, killing other things. I mean, what do you look at in space? Like, what were those scientists up to? They were looking at like whether uh, things could grow there, or well, exactly. I mean, there's all kinds of experiments. I mean, everything from uh, you know, you know, pharmaceutical experiments um, in a sterile environment. Uh, to, I think some of the people on the mission I was on were building a um, some sort of space suit, um, so a, a better space suit. I think that's what they were working on. So there's just all kinds of experiments that that you can do. That you can. did you lose your mind when you saw Earth? Like, did it just fuck with you? Well, you know, I didn't really get a good gl- uh, look at mm-hmm. the earth when I was there. Um, okay. I was I was focused on just, you know, keeping in my space, trying to stay out of everybody else's way. Yeah. It's a very confined space that we were in. You're like a PA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, just having fun. So uh, Amber mentioned the Skittles. I had a little bag of Skittles I would just kind of open and just kind of let them let them kind of fly in the air and catch them in my mouth. I mean, that, that was that was kind of cool. And I picture one of the Skittles experiment. like hitting a worm and it kills it. And they're like, you just fucked up a billion dollar experiment. You know, like, Get more worms. It's just worms. <laughs> <laughs> this is why they don't let you go into space, Eddie. No one's ever. I mean, I, I'd love to go. I don't know. I'd go look around. I'd play with some Skittles. I, I wouldn't I'd, get in yeah. anyone's way. I'd love to be in Give space. Give me a window seat. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a window speed to space i don't want to travel to space i just want to be in space i just want to knock me out wake me up in space i mean that's how i get you know to new york yeah so how long was the flight from the ground to the what is it called the mother the carmen no the 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 layer right before space what's it called the, the carmen? line the carmen line so the carmen line that yeah. is the that's basically the edge of space um beyond that point you are in space um, uh, beyond that point, you were floating in space and zero gravity. Was that like an hour from like the Earth from the floor? That no, up there? I think I think that took about forty-five minutes to get to that point to that stage. What? Um, forty-five? Yeah. That must be going Forty-five fast. minutes. So we had to travel because we flew out of Vandenberg um, and then travel over to Arizona. We eventually landed in Texas. Started in in California, ended up in Texas. Um, so wow. this whole experience happened somewhere. You know, between here and Texas. That's great. Man. Wow. Fucking bananas. Bananas. And you guys were in uh, Estonia recently, which is oh, not yeah. the same as We space, love yes, Estonia. We yeah, we, we have become e-citizens of, of Estonia. So. Yes, yeah. we are. What's it's e-citizen? A, Estonia implemented a program through the government where you could establish what they call e-citizenship mm-hmm. with Estonia as a country. Not necessarily with the European Union, but with Estonia. Okay. This e-citizenship means that you can set up and run your company from Estonia and work on their system. Interesting. And they're like one of the, uh, from the medieval period, they've sort of like maintained all the housing and oh, churches. Yes. It is such a, it is such a, a, a magical uh, place. Because it does, when if you've ever been to Disneyland or Disneyland. It's like World, White Wakanda. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen the Magic Kingdom. Yes. Um, it. Obviously, that's not real. But mm-hmm. there are buildings like that in Tallinn that are real, that are hundreds of years old. God damn. And there's like bees everywhere, you said, right? Yes, it's like there there's are. pregnancy everywhere. The honey in Estonia was the best honey I've ever had in my life. And Estonia has a very rich history, uh, specifically in working with nature. I guess when it comes to what's the husbandry, when it comes to botany and plants and stuff like that, they have it on lock, 100%. And that country, 
Ben didn't really want to go to Estonia, and I will admit, the only reason I even knew it existed was because I'm obsessed with a singer named Curly, who is from there. She's fabulous. I'm more of a Mo guy. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I like Larry. (laughs) We went there, and they do have one of, according to UNESCO, they have the most well-preserved medieval quarter city in the entire world oh, old man. town talon is breathtaking yeah it's a it's a walled city we spent some time in, in quebec city recently that's a wall unesco's uh, heritage site it's a walled city really? um but, yeah but uh but talon is just it's just so much older and beautiful so much natural beauty and, and the thing that makes it so amazing it, when we went to Estonia, we went to the Museum of Occupations. And Estonia, if you know geography, it is, it's a country that is in the farthest northern reaches of the Baltics. It's just below Finland. Russia is 200 miles yeah. to the east. It is right there. So wow. the occupations like Executioner and That museum really had, boy. It had an impact on me. I mean... You there's this quiet space um, where there's you know it's sort of in a forest where there are just suitcases that are just kind of strewn about, mm-hmm. um, and that's the exhibit. And you walk into this exhibit and you think, what what, am, what where am I standing? What is the significance of this? And you realize this is where people were brought from the village. They were told just to leave their things there and then executed, <gasps> and that was all that remained of the, of this community that lived, um, you know, in this in this part of the country. And it's it was it was. Just all the, their luggage just left there, and no one's gone through it, or just out of respect, or I guess well, there's no respect a, if no, you murder. No, it's an art exhibit. So oh, right. yeah. oh, it's, it's an art exhibit. Yeah. I see. Yeah, exactly. It's like when you but go to the Holocaust Museum and they've got like all the like wedding rings and stuff. It's supposed to symbolize the larger yeah, yeah. tragedy. Um, so here's a question about the honey in Estonia. So I get honey for a dollar ninety nine at Ralph's. Is it like that? <laughs> yeah, it is, and it's completely local. The honey is made from bees that have pollinized plants oh, within the country. Some thick ass bees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got some big ass. The bees. Honey... I got some local honey recently. Mm. Loved it. Oh, I like no one on life. a comb. I like no one, and I feel like that would piss vegans off the most because I'm eating someone's house. But you know what? It's delicious. Do vegans not eat honey? They don't eat honey. Fucking jerk off. Estonia had a lot of vegans. <laughs> they had a lot of vegans? They did. One of the things I thought was the most remarkable about Estonia was their resilience as a culture. It's like Ben said, the Museum of Occupations. They were occupied by whatever Germany was in World War II. Wow. It, in World War One, they were occupied by the Nazis. They were yeah. occupied by the, Ru- the Soviets. Whoever's Basically, around. from 1900 up until when I was born in 1989, mm-hmm. they were the property of some other country. But they, as a people, persevered. Them, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Belarus, somehow they made it through with their own culture intact because you have to understand that Estonian culture is not Russian culture yeah. and the two will never be mistaken yeah, there, for each there other. are a lot of Russians uh, they're Russian theaters Russian opera houses um, but the, the two just simply don't mix I mean they you, do you not can mix really feel other. yeah the animosity between the Russian uh, people and the Estonian Russia's another place that like went to space and then now they're like doing crocodile drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Russia's well, an to interesting be fair, country. I mean, Americans are doing meth. You yeah, know? yeah, we're we're all in the same. Yeah, we're, well, we, we both loved Estonia, but uh, I I especially love Morocco. We we lived there for a while. Oh, yes. oh wow. spent a lot of time in Morocco, um, Marrakesh, uh, Casablanca, especially. Great uh, Tangier. Yeah, Tangier. Tangier was Tangier is fabulous. Yeah, it's basically. Tangier reminded me of San Juan, Puerto Rico, but across the street from Spain. It was Ooh. fabulous. Now, That's so you, cool. you're both homosexual. So what was it like living in Puerto Rico and, uh, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> what was it like living in Puerto Rico and also Morocco, where they don't, well, tell me about that. Puerto Rico is a devoutly Catholic country very catholic they are and that's something that you have to understand and accept about them as a culture if you're really going to interact with them as a society outside of of, outside of the tourism and the resorts we have spent a lot of time in puerto rico it's just a few hours flight from new orleans it's a 
fabulous island. I recommend it to anyone. You don't got to whip out the passport. No, you don't. You can go there with a state ID, and that's the end of the story. What? There, yeah. There is no immigration. There, should there be a is state. no it's customs. Up and Yes, they should be a state, especially after the hurt. If, oh, God. Like, they I got it worse than New Orleans after the hurricane. They did. Remember when Trump was throwing paper towels at those people? Yes, he fucking was. Isn't that horrible? But yeah, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> but um, Puerto Rico is devoutly Catholic. And even to this day, that that maintains within the local culture. Absolutely. Go, go to Brooklyn. Same I would shit. say that on the whole, they are as open and accepting to homosexuality as you could expect a catholic culture within the western world to be mm-hmm. there were incidents within recent memory we'll say the past 10 years when there was a gay man who was kidnapped from a bar and he was decapitated <gasps> Jesus and Christ. unfortunately the san juan chief of police took the stance that well you basically reap what you sow. But the vast majority of Puerto Ricans are much more progressive than that. This is exactly why we just need to go ahead and make them a state. We really do. And it's it's disgusting to say the to see the way that we as a as a country, as a federal government have treated them as and they are. They're one of our colonies. Mm-hmm. They're not a state. They're not even really a if you look we at the way, bought them. yeah, we bought them and we took them over by hostile force, yeah. and we forced them to use our money. We forced them to play host to all of our military bases, and we make them create all of our medical technology. And then, you know, when they get a Category Five hurricane that sideswipes the island, yeah. oh, it's Guess what too gets bad fixed. for you. The medical facilities that we need. The fucking- well, but even then, it didn't really happen. And you're right; they did get a worse deal than New Orleans did. Yeah, they pay American taxes. There is tax on the purchases that you make in on the island of Puerto Rico. Interesting. And when that happens, where do you think that money is really going? Yeah, not to Puerto Rico. No. I I visited there over a course of, I guess we'll say, about five years intermittently. When I first went there, there seemed to be a very open sentiment to the presence of Americans in their culture. The tourism factor, everything else, everything seemed good. Mm -hmm. After we moved down to Louisiana and started visiting the island much more frequently... Every time we went, we could visibly see a growing intolerance for the presence of people from the mainland. White being... people? We were also spending a lot yes. of our time in the in San, old San Juan. So there's, I think there's a very different culture in old San Juan than there is in, in, in other parts of Fancy. Uh, but the, even yeah. still, we saw the protest in the Condado That's area, true. the Samsung protest. And it seemed like they were... S- they were getting to the point where they realized that our influence on that island hasn't necessarily been a benign thing. But, you know, but by comparison, Morocco is so much, uh, it's so much different um, for the LGBT community. Oh, yeah. What was that like being gay in Morocco? um, It wasn't very much different from being gay here or anywhere else. I mean... Yeah, there there isn't really a prohibition. I mean, it is a Muslim country, but it's not like one of those really... You know, austere. Um, it's a little more strict. progressive. Goosey It yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. The 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 king, uh, King Muhammad, has actually done a whole lot to um, make the country a place where tourists want to come and visit. Because that's yeah. where a lot of money comes in. Exactly. And in fact, Saudi Arabia is like a different place, but also a Muslim place. But they're like revamping a lot of stuff. They've got this new king in there. He had he took all of the um, religious authorities and then put them away in the Ritz Carlton. They're like in jail in the Ritz Carlton. Yeah. And uh, now women can vote. They can drive. There's movies. Oh, People shit. can go watch movies. And there's yes. a mix. Like men and women can go watch a movie together. Wonderful. Fucking Hollywood. Woo! 
And Hollywood especially. It's interesting because since we're broadcasting this from Los Angeles, the royal delegation from Saudi Arabia was just here in Los Angeles but a month ago to discuss the actual implementation and expansion of foreign cinema in the country. Wow, I think Black Panther, we, we said white Wakanda earlier for Estonia. That was the first one. Very funny, but that's the first that movie That was played. the first one. Saudi Arabia. That's an awesome first movie. Yeah, that's which is interesting because Saudis were, were kind of racist, right? Saudi yeah. is taking steps and Ben... I don't know, but, but Ben just has... or Somebody told me stories of like them, like, what do you say? They were like angrier to, to African-American people. Well, I, I don't know that that's true. But, you know, Sorry. Amber, you and I lived there for, you were born in Saudi Arabia. We, yeah. We've lived, I've lived there for many years. It's a very different place today than it was when I was growing up. Yeah. Well, there's no more Matawas, which we were raised under Matawas. What's yeah. a Matawa? That's like a religious, religious police. police. It's, oh, uh, yeah, Jesus. and they, they come around with a cane I mean, and no they Jesus. sort of hit you and whatever. But I think there's the, the, the concept of Matawa, like someone to uphold the law, uh, like a religious law. I think that sort of exists everywhere. There's a lot of Saudi mentality that exists everywhere. Example, mm-hmm. the um, if a woman's raped, she can't pe- testify. It has to be men to testify. An example of that is Cosby. I mean, how many women came out about Cosby and then one dude came out? I guarantee if two other dudes came out, they'd be like, put this guy away immediately instead of just him and hawing about it. They're getting them. They're when when Amber and I lived in Saudi, our whole day was um, planned around prayer time. Yeah. So if we wanted to go have uh, lunch at a restaurant in town, we would plan it so it wouldn't you know, ha- occur during the time of, of prayer, afternoon prayer. Sometimes yeah. it did. So we'd have, be at this restaurant. Uh, you know, it's like the, nap time in Spain. The imam, you would hear the call to prayer. It's, it's a beautiful sound. And then the owner, the proprietor of this restaurant would sort of dim the blinds, usher everyone out. He would allow Westerners like us to kind of hide in the dark and eat our food. Yeah, and he'd yeah. pray, you know, but we were allowed to like, you know, give but him that, money. I, I, as I understand that that's not the case today. It's no? changed. A, well, it's changed a lot, as you said. I mean, yeah. uh, MBZ, who is the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, has made a lot of progressive changes. And so, you know, a lot of Westerners uh, can't visit. Most of us can't visit, but some of us who do. Have so I'm not allowed to go to Saudi Arabia? You Maybe. have to have a formal invitation from the kingdom to enter. Wow. Oh. Interesting. I, but you know, but because, we can go anytime, right? Well, can we? well you, you can, might be Amber. able to, but because uh, we live there, I, th- I think that I think there's an oppor- there will be an opportunity for us to go and visit. So um, she has a Saudi Arabian passport. I do. You she do? can enter at any time without question. We with American passports are different. We have to have a direct invitation from mm. the kingdom to enter. How would you even go about renewing that thing? I don't know. But if I ever have to hide out from the government, catch me in Saudi Arabia. Well, you just told them where you fucking are. Oh, no. I'm so stupid. <laughs> when the government's listening to this podcast. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they check in every once One in a of the while. things about Morocco is, yes, on paper, they are a very progressive country, especially for a Muslim country. Most of the girls my age late Mm mid-20s, they don't wear the scarf. They drive, they work, they do their own thing. It really is not that different from here. But there's also a major double standard at play because we'll just say, for example, if the police busted down the door of Ben and I's hotel room and found us having sex, nothing would happen. But if the police busted down the door of two local Moroccan men doing that, things would be very different. Really? They know where their money comes from. They're not going to upset that. That's not going to happen. But for men, basically, the impression I was given was this. If you are a man, you have a set of societal obligations that you fulfill. You find a wife, you get a good job, you have children. After those societal obligations are fulfilled, in so many words, everyone will look the other way. Homosexuality is unbelievably prevalent in every Muslim country that I have seen. And when we first got to Morocco, it really shocked me how men just, will say, heterosexual male friends are so physically affectionate with one another. It's a different well, that's culture. Cultural, right? and yeah, because yeah, they think, hold hands. Yeah, there's a, di- yes, there's a, a, a different way of... of you know, perceiving culture, perceiving uh, situations like that, um, where here in the States, you and I, you know, holding hands, that would clearly it's shocking show that could create an issue. From an American standpoint, watching two 
very masculine men walk down the street holding hands and then do the cheek kiss thing, my jaw was on the floor. I, I think that people thought, because when we were in the old Medina, um, I think they thought Rob was a celebrity because he chose to dress in this. <laughs> you would wear all your designer clothes. And, and you know, I had like my silver jacket. Stepped off Project Runway or something. <laughs> and I always wore like the, the traditional garb that, that the men would wear. They yeah. thought that he was Saudi. So and they thought that assume, he was my bodyguard. They assumed that no I was your bodyguard. near us. <laughs> because that's the thing. Especially in the Middle East. The people from Saudi, they have a reputation. I hate me. to say it, but the, but I but I think that there is a reputation that Saudis have and and other parts of the Middle East and in North Africa. Oh yeah, Africa. they're like the big joke of the Middle East because no. a lot of no, Saudis no, 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 have no, no, oil. No. No, people respect they're like the kings. They respect. Yeah, oh. they're afraid they of Saudis. Oh, okay. in I, the yeah, Middle I think East. it's based a, a fear, you know, based respect. Oh, because it's the whole like kingdom and the the, the meccas there. I, yes. I don't know where it comes from, but I I just get that sense. Uh, you know, people thought that I was Muslim or Saudi because of my goatee and um, the garb I, I was wearing, but. Nobody wanted to fuck with me. Nobody yeah. wanted to, uh, really? you know, the provoke. The main sentiment or, that yeah. we got was that people from Saudi Arabia, in the eyes of the rest of the countries of the Middle East, the people from Saudi Arabia do not fuck around. Well, they got the money. Period. Yeah, I guess that's that, that rich people it, in too. general don't piss them off. But that's <laughs> the thing. There's even racism within Saudi Arabia within their own general area. When we got to Casablanca, there was an enormous amount of homeless people lining the freeways on the way into Gaza. These were refugees from Syria, mostly from Syria. women and children. Um, we were driving from the airport to where we were staying in Casablanca and uh, just hands on the window, just yeah. pounding on the windows. And what they wanted was some help, some kind of assistance, money or something. And Anything. We, I, 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 we didn't Granola know what bar. to do. We, yeah. it, was, it was a terrifying experience because literally we were surrounded by refugees as we were going into the city, um, the, the 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 driver of our car, Moroccan, you know, he just kind of you know shook his head and just, you know, this this is Morocco these Morocco these days. This this is our situation. He wasn't very happy about it either. And the majority um, of the Moroccans that I spoke with did not want them there. Yeah. Yeah, and Saudi didn't take any refugees either. I mean, where else are they going to go? I mean, the rest they of the top of care. the rest of the top of Africa ain't helping. You know, you can't Tunisia, go to Sudan. Egypt, yeah. Libya, it's all completely destabilized. Yeah. And the majority of Moroccans, I, I was shocked, but they didn't seem to have any, um, I guess you could say, sympathy for the plight of these refugees. It's, these are all the... These are all the women and children because the husbands are all dead. Yeah. That's basically the way really? it was explained to us. Because I said, what, where are all the men? Oh, they're dead. Yeah. And it was just like, Jesus Christ. But they didn't. I can. I, I, they were visibly irritated at the presence of these refugees in the cities of Morocco. And that was very heartbreaking to see unfortunately wow. what were you gonna say Ben? i was i was just imagining my mom listening to this podcast after uh rob just used the took the lord's name in vain because that's how she would put it in her words uh. and imagining <laughs> how she would respond to that yeah, well she always says i cringe every time rob says that oh, you so. said muhammad earlier <laughs> that's, fine. that's true that's true Whenever mom stubs her toe, instead of saying uh, the D word, GD, she says, uh, God, God bless, bless America. America. <laughs> <laughs> That's and actually nice. That's nice. And I, I use it today. So they pass it along to me. Yeah. I say son of a bitch. You know, um, I got the, uh, from the Sopranos. Some, I had to stop. I got like a, there's this one scene in the Sopranos when a junior Soprano falls in the tub and he says, uh, your sister's cunt. And I always thought that was a good explanative, but you can't really say that in public, so I had no, to curb that. No, no, you that. can't. <laughs> yeah, you can say it. Say it. You can say whatever you want. You just got to deal with the repercussions of it. Absolutely. So I stopped saying it. <laughs> now I just say fuck and shit and piss and you know, yeah. all the good ones. It's I'm, weird. I love how, cursing. I love cursing, too, but you got to use it right. You can't mm -hmm. just curse, curse, curse for no reason. I talked to my little cousin about this recently. He's, he's uh, 19 years old. We're, we're talking, we're having a conversation. Every other word's fuck. And yeah. I was like, hey, man, you know, it means more when you say it less. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I was like, he's like, oh, all right. And I was just like, yeah. I was like, because like, if you just say it all the time, it's like, it's annoying. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you said any word all the time, it's annoying. 
But if you use it, you know, once a paragraph, it might mean something. It might mean something. <laughs> it's like people who get angry all the time. Yeah. That's Last- my trick. I'm never, never yell, but then when I do, people mm-hmm. pay attention. Ooh, they pay attention. Last time I cursed, I was expecting a check to come in. It didn't come in that day, it came in the next. But I was like, I just, I didn't see it in the mailbox. And I went home and I said, fuck. And I just threw my keys down. Yeah. And then that was that. That was that. But you felt a tiny bit better. Felt a tiny bit better. One time on the streets of Brooklyn, I saw this guy. He was like maybe in his early 30s, late 20s. And he was on the phone. He hung up the phone. And he just goes like, fuck. And he just like grabs his hair and like paces. He's on the street. Mm -hmm. And then everybody just, uh, people think New Yorkers are cold. But we were really just like, let's give this man some space. Because we all need one moment where you get away with that. Oh, well, you yeah. can just like scream and like have a bit of a freak out on the streets. Oh, absolutely. Lord knows, man. I mean, I've screamed in those streets. Oh, yeah. They you need the, it. the streets need it. They need it. That's how it keeps them clean. <laughs> so, so going back to your travels, I got to ask, have you ever been to Dubai? No. Not yet? No, that was on our list, uh, but we didn't quite make it over. It's very that, expensive that in way. Dubai, too. It is very, and that was one of the reasons that we chose not to. And it to seems visit like not. It seems like a, like a place white people go in the Middle East. Like it doesn't That's seem like exactly do, why. I really, it's like a sandals resort it. or it's something. It's so westernized. It's like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. But then there was a woman killed in Dubai because I think um, she, well, she was smiled. She was she smiled. Uh, well, she was uh, she was raped, and uh, she went to the concierge at the hotel and said, "I was just raped." And they're like, "Are you sure you want to report this?" And she's like, "Yes, yes, yes." And the police come and they arrest her. I don't think she was killed. That was a different story. But she was arrested for being raped. Yeah, that's how it is. A lot of the austere Islamic laws for men that have twisted the religion into their own vision. Yeah. Stand in those countries, but I guess that's where Bahrain comes in. For example, gay sex has been legal in Bahrain since basically the 70s. Wow. Mm. You know, I find a lot of, um, because I, I, I met this young lady from Saudi Arabia as well, and we were talking, and we both agreed that a lot of young people... They don't like these laws. They don't like this very restrictive sort of persecuted place. But there are certain people appointed that have sort of the keys to the kingdom. They're making money. Um, They're very well off. They have a nice house. They have a nice couple wives and some children. So part of their job is to uphold this religious law. They, of course, don't uphold it. They just smack everybody into doing it. I mean, is that that surprising? That's what we do here. That's what I, I was everybody just about does. To say, yeah, yeah. We we have all kinds of religious strictures and prohibitions, but you Yeah. Metawas exist mother, everywhere. I mean, she she drinks occasionally and I've heard her swear and so mm-hmm. it's Yeah. So I got uh I want to switch gears a little bit here. Uh you guys are both uh very studied in uh in the epidemic of this world, uh climate change. And obviously, you know, we only have a, you know, 15, 20 minutes left. You can't go into the whole shebang about how the whole world's going to end. But it, while I have people so knowledgeable about the subject, I'd love to talk about it for a little bit, if it's cool with well, you Well, you guys, guys said sure, something sure. interesting earlier, because you've traveled the world, and you said that everywhere in the world really cares about climate change. America's the only place we have a lot of skeptics. Well, it's not that, the, that, they, the, that they do care about it, but it's not just that they care about climate change, uh, people abroad. It's that they accept the science uh, that supports the theory of climate change. Yes. Um, unlike here, where you meet people who... I, I guess they view the world through a political spectrum, and they mm-hmm. they see this as a political issue, um, and they just don't accept it. They they don't. It's not they don't understand the science. It's that they refuse to accept it. They're not um, willing to change their lives. I'm yeah. sorry. They're not willing to change. Their no, no, lives. and, and that, I think that's a big part of it. I think that when you accept uh, you know certain truths, you have to you know accept you know other you know associated. Uh, things that come along with understanding that climate change is real, mm-hmm. that your impact on the environment is real. Um, and, you know, people, they, they choose I not to I always say it's that. like uh, being locked in a closet. You're, imagine you're in a closet and then you just spray in hairspray. Spray it, spray, 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 spray for like eight hours. Don't you think that closet would smell differently? Yeah. The clothes would look yeah, differently? That's a great analogy. That's yeah, like, that's the ozone layer. But it's, um, people are afraid, and I can understand why they would want to deny it, because there's a lot of weird taxes involved yeah. with uh, climate change. And there's like, example, recycling. I have seen, I've worked for companies, you have to pay for recycling companies. You do. 
But then I've seen uh, people come in and collect the trash and just throw it all in one bin. Well, beyond that, I think there's an existential fear that people don't want to address with climate change, where it's like, if you really take the full scope of it into effect, it's pretty universally accepted we're beyond the tipping point where there's going to be significant changes in not only climate but in like the very nature of our coastlines and how people are going to live within the next 50 to 100 years so i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people look at that and have a deep existential terror about it absolutely one of the things especially i think down in the deep south that impedes public participation, acceptance, and implementation into a plan fighting climate change. The fact is that half of Louisiana, it's not going to be there. No. When that water comes up, half of Mississippi and Alabama, gone. Hey man, All I'm of from Florida, Florida. Yeah, Florida's gone. gone. It's Florida gone. is gone. And one 50 of the years. Yeah, my mom was, when I went down for the funeral, she was talking about, like, what to do with the house. She's like, I just would love to see you guys living in this house. I'm like, why? Why would I live there? It's going to be underwater. We're below sea level. Yeah. Yeah, that is one of the biggest things, and especially with this. But then again, the people of the city of New Orleans, they're different, once again, from the rest of the Deep South, because yeah. they have seen firsthand how things change even if you look at the disparity between hurricane betsy in the 60s and hurricane katrina and how that played out across the metropolitan area vastly different from two pretty comparable storms the water is rising we cannot engineer our way out of this it is new orleans is is special to to rob and me we have a place there we've spent a lot of time in new orleans um, and, and the thought of, of seeing or that, that this place is going to change and possibly not even be here. It's a modern-day yeah. Atlantis. I think Atlantis really used to is. exist, and it was like New Orleans. It's all it, of it, man. It's crazy. Miami, the fucking ocean's coming in three blocks in. You know, it, Charleston, I was in Charleston two years ago. We're driving around, and we hit this big puddle, and they're like, oh, be careful, that's seawater. And you're like, yeah. what? Yeah, as we're like, yeah, it happens the water all the time. It's like, no, they aren't all casual about it. You're just like, no, it's the fucking ocean invading your land. Yeah, as we're having this conversation, New Orleans has just gone through a severe flood, and it's become just a regular thing. Uh, and that's in from a rainstorm. We were there just, uh, one of the last time I was there was last year, and I was having a drink at one of my neighborhood bars on the back of the French Quarter, and that is the high ground of yeah. the metro area. It's actually above sea level, believe it or not. Anyway, it started raining. And during the summer, every day in New Orleans, sometime between, we'll say, 1 p.m. and 5 p.m., you can expect a big rain shower in the summer. It just happens every day like clockwork. Yeah, Yeah. 3 o'clock in Florida. It's got to happen because it's so hot. (laughs) Eddie and I are from Florida, so we know the afternoon storm. You get it. Everyone goes inside for a couple hours, dries out, everything is fine. Well, I went, it started raining now. It's like, okay. It's the afternoon storm. Went inside to the local bar, had a beer. By the time I stepped out, if I would have stepped off of the stoop onto Rampart Street, I would have been knee-deep in the water coming out of the sewage system. And that's just how it is. The pumps turn on, they suck it all back out and spit it out into Lake Pontchartrain. But even with just a rainstorm, the water comes up. Yeah. measurable levels so nasty and that's like vomit water because it's new orleans it's like poo poo and vomit it's water gray water in every sense of the word honey one of the nastiest <laughs> things i've ever seen and i've seen a lot of nasty shit but i was in new orleans and there was this girl and she had this like glow stick in her mouth and oh, she boy. dropped it in the sewer water like you know the stuff the horses oh, shit in and people vomit in <laughs> and then she like picked it up looked around and I'm looking at her like no bitch don't you fucking dare she puts it right back in that nasty mouth that woman's gonna survive a disease or two you're laughing but her children are gonna be the ones that survive you know super super flu the apple gates fucking but the thing that I think that Amber people do not want to change their lives no they don't want to change to accommodate something and they don't have money to pay more taxes to People just don't have more money. I don't have more money. Nobody else has money. Pay more taxes. Would it matter if we changed at this point? No. No, it wouldn't matter. Well, maybe it would, but not in any kind of a... Climate change exists on feedback loops. We pump carbon into the atmosphere. The atmosphere absorbs more heat from the sun. We bake on the surface. We pump more carbon. It is a cycle. Mm -hmm. A lot of 
hardcore conservatives like to take the stance that, oh, well, the climate is always changing. That may be true, but they are under the impression that this climate change thing is going to play out over the next, we'll say, 20 years and then kind of wrap itself up in a bow. No, we're talking thousands of years. This whole climate change thing, as they call it, is going to... Part of, part of our strategy will have to be adaptation because yeah. uh, you had mentioned feedback loops or, or, or certain thing of inevitable things that are going to happen, um, but there's nothing we can do about it. In other words, so we no. have to we have to adapt. Um, we can mitigate, but adaptation is also going to be part of the strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, adaptation can include anything from you know some technologies that's you know scrubs carbon from the environment, uh, you know electric cars and that sort of thing. Um, that that's going to help out a lot, but that that I don't believe is going so to. So should be we? Good. Should everyone who lives in Miami, New Orleans, and Charleston just say fuck it and move to Kansas? Yeah. Well, rent for now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good question, and that is something that, as a country, we are going to have to address. Just like we saw last year with hurricane season, San Juan, the Florida Keys, Houston, Texas. Yeah. Billions and billions and billions of dollars in damage. What happens when this happens every year? What happens when we are in a situation, say, 10 years from now, where every single year, Miami, Houston, New Orleans, Washington, D.C., Charleston. Jersey, New York, we've seen Jersey, it. New York, all the way up to Boston gets clipped or hit by a Category 5 hurricane. What happens then? What happens when we have to spend trillions of dollars a year to reconstruct cities that were just destroyed three years prior. Water world. Yeah. We all get on ski Government issued ski What do we do? Do we keep well, rebuilding yeah. these cities or do we accept that we can't do even, this anymore? Even the insurance, the, yeah. the flood insurance that, that Rob and I pay, um, <laughs> the, the, the pain that you know people who, who do Double the mortgage. live down there yeah. and pay for flood insurance. Um, it's unbelievable. It's Whoa, that's it's like The Purge. Remember the movie The Purge? They all oh, have to pay purge insurance. It's just like that. Your flood insurance, <laughs> especially if you live on the Gulf, like say Biloxi, Mississippi, Gulfport, Past Christian, mm-hmm. it'll be double your mortgage. Yeah. And you can count on that. I mean, the, the oceans are coming up. There's no debating it. You know, the, the oceans are warming. Uh, coral is dying across the world. Uh, it, in the next 10 years, maybe 20 years, we'll see no more coral, which is crazy. It's all bleaching. It's all becoming white. It may look very pretty at first, but there's no flowers or fish. And so it's garbage. The mangroves in the Everglades are dying. They are, you know, they're getting, uh, the, the sea levels are rising and getting warmer. They're killing the mangroves, which keeps in the Everglades swamps. And so that's just going to be taken over by the ocean very soon. Go visit these places. Go oh, yeah. now. <laughs> like, like, and we here, We're going to see it. We here in Los Angeles, we need to actually start considering things like hurricanes and, and severe tropical storms There as was a well. hurricane over here three years ago. Never happened before. The water is getting warmer and warmer and warmer the further north you go. There are hurricanes that hit Baja, California all the time and Guadalajara and Puerto Vallarta. In 10 years, when the water off Santa Monica can reach, you know, 90 degrees in the summer, it's not a stretch to think that they won't be able to find the sustenance to come all the way up the coast into us. Still chilly now, though. So. Yes, thank Still God. <laughs> yeah, you only got to worry about the hur- uh, the, the earthquakes. earthquakes and the fires oh and <laughs> hurricanes. Hawaii's gonna is is falling to pieces. You know, like honestly, does that have anything to do with it? Or is I it, think no. it's just the the volcano just had its period. Yeah. You know? yeah. I think that yeah, yeah they I just made a whole bunch of new is. real estate out there is the thing. You just can't be there when it's being made. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. But that's the thing is that volcano hasn't even like really erupted mm-hmm. yet. Really? It's, it's just teasing us? It's really only kind of begun to kind of <coughs> hawk up the little tar ball before it really clears its But that's lungs. how islands are made from yeah. volcanoes. Yeah, oh, 10 years from now there will be a Trump resort on there. Uh. <laughs> More than likely. <laughs> Man, it's fucking it's it's very upsetting. Uh like the, the ice, what do you know about what's going on with the ice caps? Do we have much I don't know much. I've just I've just watched a couple of Al Gore documentaries. They're gone. Like they're mostly gone. <laughs> I saw that a piece the size of Delaware broke off, you know, and that's well, pretty fucking scary. You know, if you if you talk to um a climate change denier, they'll tell you that the southern Arctic cap the uh, ice has actually expanded. 
Um, but there's actually, that's not necessarily true. It has to do with the salinity in the water and the runoff. Mm-hmm. Um, the southern oceans are far less saltier than the, than the northern oceans. Um, but the, the, the northern, uh, the Antarctica, is not being as, it's being affected, but the Antarctic, or, or the Arctic is being, it's just the extraordinary changes that are happening there right now. Yeah. Um, we're, they're, they're 30 degrees, 36 degrees um, above the average uh, there. So all of this, all this is just part of an experiment that's happening. That we're, you know, we're conducting an experiment on the planet, on, in you know, the home in, on which we, in which we live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The and who knows mind. what the result of this experiment is that we're conducting right now. So. Well, people always say, uh, oh, what about the, the climate, the earth, the earth, we're hurting. I think Mother Nature and the earth will settle it. It'll figure it out. Yeah. Human beings will be gone. I completely agree. I think that the planet has kind of shown to an extent that it's not exactly stupid. Yeah. Oh, Mother Nature's a she's a bitch, Mm -hmm. and there's a reason why there's Mother Nature and Father Time. Man, I'll tell you what's first to go: those cute little key deer. They ain't gonna make it. Yeah, they're so cute. You don't know that though, because maybe their size—they have a—you know—they don't have to eat as much. So with less vegetation, they'll be able to survive better than our big, bumbling frames. Those deers are alligator chow, and you know it. (laughs) (laughs) There's crocs down there too. There are a couple crocs, and there's even. in recent years, there have been a lot of exotic snake owners down in Those Florida. Those cocksuckers. We've talked about this on the show. I hate it. Yeah. Especially king cobras. Ex-cocaine dealers from Miami. Because they'll just like Indeed. get tired of the snake or the alligator and well, then release it. And they and release the snake the, into the wild. The reason why you can trace exotic animals in Florida and how they, they're growing population directly to Pablo Escobar. Whoa. Because once Pablo Escobar fell, so did his associates that were located in Miami, which was the primary door for the Escobar family to get cocaine into America. Mm-hmm. So once they fell, all those people fell. But the DEA agents in Miami in, what, 91, 92, yeah. they just let all of the stuff go. And she's totally yeah. right. And, and the thing is, is that when you put uh, Florida, an exotic... Florida, live in Florida. Look at all the old people. <laughs> <laughs> well, Let's beyond that, they had no natural predators. Yeah. yeah. So in when the you... swamps. When you put a king cobra in a swamp with a bunch of reticulated pythons, there's going to be some morphs that happen out of that. And, and they do. Oh, they breed. The Water moccasins. They breed. So it's Man, like the mother snake. Anything can live in South Florida. When I was a kid, there were no iguanas in Boca Raton, Florida. They're just like, occasionally you might see one. Now they're fucking everywhere to the point where they started building statues of them. That's they're like, everywhere in Puerto Rico and every tree on every sidewalk. So There's crazy. an iguana hanging out. It's well, cute, Florida though. had a freeze recently and it's like yeah. all the iguanas froze and they would fall off of the trees, but you couldn't um, pick them up, pick them up or touch them or because they would like wake up and like and start scream scratching you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And bite you and shit. I'd shoot it with a gun. Yeah. Or, you know, you just leave it alone. See, you know, they- I, I kind of love I kind of love having all the exotic animals, though, because they're winning the evolutionary game. And yes, we got to see how these animals adapt to their circumstances, because we are animals who are very mm-hmm. quickly going to have to adapt to our circumstances. But then again, that's a really interesting question, because in terms of how quickly we have changed the climate with which we live in on this planet, basically, really, the only past hundred years, how are, how are the long-term gems of evolution going to hold up the crocodiles the sharks i mean, I mean crocodiles, they're, they're they're gonna be fine. they survived a mass extinction you know at the time of the dinosaurs i think they'll survive this we'll see if they can survive a mass extinction engineered by human creativity mm-hmm. man we i was just i was watching the 72 most dangerous animals show just cuz <laughs> this I, is you know, the I fifth time shit. you've talked about it in the last two days i love <laughs> it but there was a but there was this thing on there where was a, it, they were in south in south uh, in south america and there was leopards and they're talking about there's only 10,000 leopards left and it's just like man there's fucking 10 billion humans right something like that like we're fucking up 
Like we are killing everything, and this it's, like it's, that's a big difference. It's pretty you know, incredible. Like, like that's crazy. We're a virus. We're taking over everything. Yeah, and it's just like yeah. I love nature. One of my biggest uh, happiest memories was in, uh, or happiest and also unhappiest was in Georgia, Ben, when we lived, and we were at like forty eight. We didn't own the forty acres, but we were forty acres deep in the woods, mm-hmm. and it was just. Nature, just at its most primal. You see some weird shit. Of course. Do you know animals can often smell their own uh, um, uh, offspring, and if they don't like them, they'll just leave it in the woods? That's why you can't touch them. Can't touch them. Yeah. Man. All right. So this has been a fucking cool conversation. I love talking to you guys. (laughs) Uh, But this is the brighter side. And so we are now, I'm going to plague us with trying to find a brighter side of climate change. And I'll start uh, just so you can see how you could possibly do it. Uh, people who make boats are going to make a lot of money. Yeah, like Forrest Gump. <laughs> like boat makers are, are, you know, getting that business. You know, you'll be doing well. You know, it's it's uh, you know, I, I've been I've been I like chaos. You know, I I, yeah. I pre, you know, water world is cool. You boats know, are but the like, new trains. Yeah, I think that with climate change will come. The, the fall of government. What's your favorite kind of boat? <laughs> My favorite kind of boat? Yeah. You said pontoon boat earlier. I really like that. But, you know, I got to be a piece of shit and say luxury yacht is Whoa. wonderful. <laughs> I would much rather have a luxury That's true. Yacht. I forgot about those. <laughs> I forgot about those. All right, I, Mary. Or, sorry. What, oh, 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 whoever, oh, oh, whoever's got oh, school, school, school. What were you going to say, Ben? I was just going to say for me, I guess um, – you know, what I feel hopeful about is the technology. I mean, I, I work in tech and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the entrepreneurs, the, the younger people today who are developing new ideas, um, you know, that, that to me is inspiring. Um, yeah. Kevin Costner's water machine. <laughs> yeah, you get some smart ass people in there. Mary, what's your brighter side of uh, climate change? Uh, I think that human beings are at their best when they are faced with a challenge. And I think that probably life will be very different within the next hundred years in terms of how human beings live it and how life on this planet operates. However, I think that human beings ultimately will figure out a way to go on. One of the reasons why we're in this mess is because human beings are extremely good at, you know, adapting and exploiting the circumstances within they find themselves. So I think if things are suddenly on fire you know in california some movie producers are going to make a lot of money harvesting energy off of it absolutely <laughs> correct amanda rob what's your brighter side of climate change i completely agree with mary that's kind of the brighter side is everything that I, as horrific as it will be when it is happening it is the ways that we learn to adapt to it to mm-hmm. continue our way of life yeah. around these events i mean who knows? Maybe in ten years we'll have saltwater corn crops. Yeah, we don't know, but it's just—it's going to be the innovation that we wield in the face of this situation that literally changes the world as we, as a species, has come to understand it. Yeah, and I think that's the bright side. Maybe of climate if all change. the polar bears move south, we can finally become friends. Yes, we I can. Love. We don't know. They'll give us some Coca Cola. <laughs> I say brighter side brighter side of climate change. I'm excited to ride a ski doo and shoot a shotgun. <laughs> you know, I say we all get You're a ski doo. You're gonna die like a Baltimore Raven. <laughs> <laughs> say government issued ski doo and shotgun. Fucking rock and roll. Excited for it. Oh man! All right. Well, that's been the brighter side. Thank you so much for stopping by, guys. Thank you. Is there anything you guys are interested in that you want people to check out? That you know, uh, you have. I don't. Obviously, I don't think you're promoting your Twitter page. You know, but I don't think so. I don't think. But what what are you guys into now? Like in tech wise, like what should people be looking out for? Blockchain. (laughs) I mean, I actually have an investment in blockchain. Good girl. Oh yeah. Blockchain, blockchain is probably the future of most major incorporative cooperative What is technology. blockchain? I know nothing about it. It's a way of controlling the system, basically. It's how, um, it's like a cryptocurrency, it's how it's created. So if you control how it's created, then you can control cryptocurrency. Oh, okay. So a lot of, like, like a lot of major banks are buying into blockchain. Like locked, uh, locked this monster money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's the new dot-com bubble, apparently. Also, Arginex, by the way, I was looking at it about, uh, because it's a biomedical research 
team and uh, it's always bad to invest in biomedical research because it can go up or down. It's very volatile. But there was a company called Arginex and I saw it at 30 and I was like, I want to buy in this because I really believe in them, but I, it's very too volatile for me. Now it's up at 90. Bam! So go look at them, check them out. They're, I think they're pretty cool with what they're going to do. Anyways, yeah. yeah, Ben, what are you going to do? I don't know. I think I'm I'm ready just to kind of relax and enjoy the traveling that, that Rob and I are doing. And you know, you know what? So, that yeah. is the best advice I've heard in a long time. I love traveling. Go see some different shit, man. You know, people talk about the bubble, but it is what it, you know. You can learn about it. You can watch documentaries, but there's nothing until like you go to Africa. You know, yeah. like there's nothing like until. So just get if you can do it. Just get out. Check out a new place, even if it's three towns away from you and you've never been there before. Yeah. You know, go check it out. Take the know? bus. Go somewhere weird. Go talk to somebody crazy. It's it's amazing what you can figure out when mm-hmm. you do this stuff. And that's what was so cool about Morocco. Out of all of Europe, South America, the Caribbean, Morocco, that was the most otherworldly place yeah. I've ever been. I like, bet it smells like like spices and like it just, smells like spices and the best chicken. It's like a Star Wars bar. Life, I swear to God, <laughs> <laughs> they knew how to make chicken over there. Damn. All right, guys, this has been the brighter side. I'm Ed Larson, Amber Nelson, and Mary Kelly. Thank you so much, Ben Nelson and Rob Taylor, for joining us today. It was a fucking hoot in a hafe. Uh, yeah. Go follow us on. Uh, facebook and join the group it's been getting more active and everyone's super cool in there and uh you know let us know about what's going on in your life and uh maybe we all can troubleshoot it and you can figure out some uh bullshit that's going on with you yeah talk to us we want to listen and check out more great shows at lastpodcastnetwork.com all right taking us out today as a suggestion by mr rob taylor and god damn it i can't turn it down rebel rebel by david bowie here's the first couple seconds of it go listen to it go get into david bowie and check out the new mick ronson documentary uh dave bowie's uh guitarist y'all are fucking cool stay cool be cooler who knows man get dumber get smarter enjoy your life